0: Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Are you willing to try again? That's the question that has been on my mind and heart today. Today as I discuss hailstones, and what can happen when adversity comes against you. I want you to wrap your mind around the possibility that the adversity that has struck you is not your enemy, it's your friend. That in the midst of the trial, there's something powerful coming your way. Hello, my name is Ken Gurley and in this daily devotion, in fact, all week long, we're gonna be discussing faith in times of adversity. Hail is a very destructive force of weather. It is, of course, small round masses of ice that fall from the clouds. What a snowflake is to snow, a hailstone is to a hail. One refers to the individual, the other refers to the aggregate. Hail is referred to some three dozen times or more in the Bible. Its first mention is in Exodus 9, the seventh plague. That's interesting because seven is, of course, in Scripture, the divine number. And this plague was warned of in advance. Everyone in Egypt had the opportunity to avoid it, to take precautions. In other words, mercy also came with the hail. When it came, hail was mixed with fire or lightning and destruction was rampant. In Goshen, the Bible says, there was no hail. A distinction was made between Egypt and the people of darkness and Goshen, the people of light. Throughout the Bible, then, hail is a sign of judgment. God asked Job if he had ever witnessed the heavenly arsenal of hail and snow. And today I need to tell you an inspiring story about hailstones that indicate that in the midst of judgment, There is mercy. And in the midst of adversity, there is some sweetness. We're talking about faith for those difficult times and for those moments of adversity. And we need to know that bad times will come. Say it as you will. Hailstones happen. Destructions come. The sky darkens. The seas roar. The heavens rumble. The fires rage. The storms rise. But bad situations come to each of us. The skies are going to darken. We will experience setbacks spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally. The weights and cares of this life will pull us down. God is speaking to his people through the prophet Jeremiah. His people are in Babylonian captivity. They're sorrowful. Many would only know captivity and bondage their entire lifetime. Some would be born and die without ever seeing and knowing the joys and splendors of Zion. False prophets were running around telling people, it's any day now, look up, get ready, God is going to bring you out. But God speaks through Jeremiah and says, tell them not so. You're not going to be getting out soon. Those false prophets are telling you lies. You will be here as prophesied for 70 years. For 70 years, you will not see Zion. For 70 years, you will not go up to Jerusalem three times a year. For 70 years, you will be under the cruel oppression of the Babylonians. Your hopes, your dreams, your plans, they may have all gone up in smoke. Hard to stick with the same metaphor, your plans were crushed by the plans of the Almighty God, it seems. Israel had left God, but God still loved Israel, and whom he loves, he chastens bad situations come, and it's in this setting that God gives a beloved promise. Before I share it, let's review what we should do when trouble strikes. When bad things happen, some try to control those situations. Others try to run from those situations. Others just live in blissful ignorance and deny that the situations exist. But bad situations do come, and when they come, What should you and I do? Now, for the story I promised. I heard this 30 years ago. Laura Wielder wrote, of course, The Little House on the Prairie for Children. But in one of her books, she told about the family experiencing an uncomfortable hot day. It was time for harvest. The wheat was ripened in the field and waiting to be cut. But the day was so oppressive no wind. That was unusual. Everyone working outdoors felt like they were gasping for breath and were smothering. It was in the afternoon the father came in from the barn and announced that it was about to rain, and soon the sky began to darken. The wind began to sigh. The sky grew a sickish, greenish color, and the storm arrived. Rain barely at all, but hailstones began to fall, a few at first, then thicker and larger, some as large, she wrote, as hen's eggs. In 20 minutes' time, the hailstorm passed. The wheat was destroyed in the field. And as they stood and stared at the destruction, the father had an unusual suggestion, a very unusual suggestion. I came across a New York Times article that said something similar to what he said. It was on July 12, 1891, when a hailstorm hit Florence, South Carolina. After noting the devastation to the cotton fields, A full three days later, some town folks went into the field and still gathered cotton bags of hailstones. And with them, they did something unusual. They made ice cream. You've heard the old expression, when life hands you lemons, make some lemonade. Well, when life sends hailstones of destruction your way, make some ice cream with it. And that's what happened in the fictional story I reference. That though your crops are destroyed, though your livelihood is threatened, though things aren't going as you think they should, adversity is not your enemy. It can be your friend. Take that adversity and make something good, worthwhile, and sweet from it. Make the best of hard times. How do you do that? I think it lies in this resolution. I will try again. When faced with adversity, it begins with that simple choice, I will try again. What do you do when bad situations come? Try again. I think you need to face up to the day you're living in, accept the reality of what you're facing. That's what the people of Israel wouldn't do in captivity. They were wistful, whittling away their time, hoping that it would immediately change. They say in the stages of grief, that the first step in the process is denial. Some people never get beyond the denial phase. They get their minds so fixated and focused on something happening their way in their time. They can't see that God is up to something and busy doing something different and in His own time. Face up to it. Things have changed. The roof of the barn has been carried away. The job's not coming back. The relationship is over. My children have grown up. I can't treat them as children any longer. My world, my life has changed. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Don't deny stand. Don't roll over. Face up to the challenge. So here's a corollary thought. Don't get stuck in the past. You can't find another person on earth who enjoys digging into the past, finding treasures and jewels than I, but I'm not so foolish to think that I can live there. Don't be tempted to constantly go down memory lane and remember what once was, but will never be again. Isaac could have done that in Genesis 26. Each well he dug was taken and seized by the enemy. He could have fussed. He could have griped. He could have spent the rest of his life in a feud. I can't tell you how many times I've had to just pick up the shovel and dig another well. Too little time to get fixated on the past. It's one of those great passages in Romans that we cite often. All things work together for good. But then Paul launches into something that is even more encompassing than those all things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present nor things to come, height, depth, any creature, none of those things can separate us from the love of God. But the one thing missing from Paul's inclusive list is the past. He mentions the present. He mentions the future, but not the past, because there's nothing like the past that can separate us from God's love, because if we choose to live in the past, we are rejecting the God who is our very present help in the time of need. Get out of the past, forgive, be forgiven, move forward. Here's something you need to do. Take an inventory of what's left and add to it. Those Jews in Babylon were so busy mourning the loss of their lives as they knew them, their homes, their temple, their city. It's so human that we end up focusing only on what was lost. But Jeremiah reminded them, all is not lost. You still have the things that matter, faith in God, hope, love. Strengthen what remains and add to it. Remember this, troubles may come but only you determine your reaction to it. Misery is a choice. Unhappiness is a choice. Paul said, in all things I've learned contentment. You can be content when things are well and when things are not well. It's a choice. And always, always find the sweetness in the bitterness. I promise you there is sweetness to be found. There is honey in the rock. There's an oasis in the desert but you'll have to find it for yourself. James said, count it all joy, that there is something beautiful, something good that can come out of your pain, some majesty from misery, a testimony from testing, help from hurt, gain from pain. It intrigues me, partially finished paintings, manuscripts, symphonies, sculptures, and such, that somehow the creator of it grew weary or was checked by one thing or another, or perhaps he lost interest. But on occasion, the work is taken from him. Many are the instances of precious work stripped from their creators by fire, theft, carelessness, or disaster. It's the measure of a person, what they will do on such occasions. I read one time of a man who had just finished a 1,400-page handwritten manuscript, only to see it destroyed in a fire. Someone asked him, what will you do now? He responded, I will start over at the first page and I will make it better. So this is perhaps a good place to settle in on Jeremiah. After assuring God's people that they would be in bondage for some time, he encouraged them to build, to marry, to focus on things they still have. And he speaks to them, Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. So if you're surrounded by hailstones, pull out the ice cream machine and get busy and take the adversity and transform it into sweetness. Job found that sweetness. He never opened his mouth to charge God foolishly. He prayed for those who despitefully used him. And the Bible says that his latter state— was greater than his former state, that God blessed him over and abundantly. This is what I see. I see in the midst of adversity to have faith in the midst of our trial. We can't get too lost in the past and what we have lost, but we need to marry ourselves to the future and say, God, you're gonna take me even here and even now, and you're gonna transform this situation this bitter affliction into something sweet. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at KenGurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.